So aham brahmasmi, that's a mantra that yogis chant. Aham brahmasmi means I am Brahman. I am spirit. Brahman means spirit. You know, so you chant that mantra to make you mindful of your true identity. You know, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit. I am spirit. You know, and then gradually you start implementing that more and more when you look in the mirror. You know, aham brahmasmi, I'm not this body, you know, I'm not my face and hair and all the things I'm seeing reflected. You know, I'm spirit. This is the vehicle. This is the covering. This is the temporary, you know, me, you know, material me, you know, the false identity. So these are mindfulness techniques that really produce real spiritual results. Hello out there, this is Ruben and the Breaking Trail podcast, where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom. And today, on the topic of mindfulness, what the benefits of mindfulness are and potential limitations. So how we can see that in a true spiritual perspective. So, well, my experience is that you were you were speaking about people who like say the truth for a motive and and but it's not always that clear and i think that some and i i i feel that some of the books that i've read from some spiritual teachers they might not like think that they want money or followers but i i think that still the truth that they present is is good what they say to an extent but to an extent like it only takes you this far and i guess that's <laughs> That's where I felt that perhaps perhaps that's a good point to start in terms of mindfulness because it's good. It's just that it takes you to a certain like location. It, it takes you only so far, yeah? Yeah, and understand the reason those teachers are teaching what they're teaching is because that's what they're attracted to. Mm. That's what attracts them. That's the goal that they w would like to reach or have reached. And so, therefore, yeah, they want to, and even if it's with the best intentions, mm. give that same opportunity to, to achieve what they have achieved mm. or what they think is the goal. You see, mm. not all spiritual teachers are uh, enlightened to that end degree in the, whatever path they're on, but they are understanding this is good and i want other people to have mm. the same opportunity exactly. you know so they're presenting it from that angle and it might like i say it could be with great intentions doesn't have to be a cheating intention no mm. so you know unknowingly they're not giving people the highest opportunity mm. yeah. Yeah. well like like our spiritual master siddhisrupananda has said you know, a certain teacher who teached, you know, one of the level lower levels of, a, of perfection, who's to say, but was sincere in doing so, you know, was doing it, you know, with a real true motive. Hold on a minute. Uh, Eula, can you bring me some water, please? But... Uh, Who's to say, because they were doing it with a true, you know, 
uh, motive to help people, you mm -hmm. know. Who's to say where they are now? Because they left their body, and obviously they moved on. And who's to say that now they are not, you know, on the next path, the higher path. I see. You know, or maybe on the highest path of bhakti yoga. In other words, it's not that everybody stays where they are, mm. you know. That, mm. oh, he was just an impersonalist, or he yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. just seeing this much. I see what you mean. But now, who's to say if he's not? Because his motive was right, his his compassion was there, he really wanted to help people. He was He was giving what he thought was the best thing to give people, hmm. see? And all that counts. Hmm. And, you know, it just makes it so, you know, they go further and further. But and uh, but you've said that yourself as well, I remember, like, always looking for the brighter light. But but how do you know, like, how do you know where? Is it just an internal confirmation that you know that you reached the, like, the, the end goal? Is there an end goal? Or how, how do you know when you've... You know what I mean? Like, what's... Well, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the the path of bhakti yoga, which is the path that we, you know, promote, follow, etc., is obviously, you know, the the highest level, because it's the it's the path of loving devotion, and even in this material world, there's nothing superior to loving devotion whether it's for your dog or for your wife or for your children, you know, that's a superior path to money and fame and, you know, a new car and whatever, whatever. You know, there's some deeper reward from a loving devotional relationship with another living entity yeah. than anything just external surface material. I mean, your heart knows that. So if you take that to to the purview of the different spiritual paths, you know, bhakti yoga is that path of pure loving devotion, but the personality, the object of the love and devotion is the supreme person. You see, it's not an impersonal light, a void, you know, a becoming nothing, a becoming everything. It's it's beyond that. It's, it's you could say, the, the philosophy of the heart. You know, and so, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of vision to see, well, yeah, that sounds more complete, more more fulfilling, more satisfying, a, a, you know, a real source of happiness, you know, rather than isolationism or great austerities and penances and, you know, maybe mystic powers and you know, merging into a light or whatever. I mean, if you just look at the two on their face value, one looks obviously more warm and friendly and mm. and fulfilling and, mm. and and filled with happiness and satisfaction than the other, mm. you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's... But again, some people want that other path that other result yeah and so that's what they will get so it's it's again individual but where where does mindfulness fit into the whole 
field of spirituality and 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 self development and well mindfulness now is kind of a buzzword yeah you know everybody's sure. talking about mindfulness <laughs> you know and because you know people understand an out of control mind leads to an out of control life and if your mind is just all over the place and driving you crazy then you're crazy <laughs> And people understand that's not good. I mean, so that's why mindfulness is taught in many business corporations, yeah. you know, in school to students, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you can't focus on your subject matter or your business or whatever it is, you're not going to be as successful as if you can. Hmm. You know, if you're studying for an exam and your mind is going to the past and to the future and, you know, what you did yesterday, what you're going to do tomorrow, and this person in your life that's, you know, attracting you. And so you can't really grasp what you're trying to grasp for the exam, you know. So you've got to just kind of forcibly bring your mind back to this page and this information on this page because you're going to need to know this tomorrow. Hmm. See, so mindfulness means just focusing the mind on a particular subject. And most of the mindfulness that's taught, the techniques, you know, and, and the goals are, are material. You know, be mindful of whatever your material goal is, you know. And that's why it's, it's so attractive now. And so it works. I mean, you can be more peaceful if you're not worried about the agitated mind, you know, thinking about this and that and, oh, the anxiety. What will happen if this goes down? What will happen if this occurs? You know, perceived results with, that you don't even know if that's going to be the result, you know, but it produces anxiety. It's, it's very uncomfortable, yeah. you know, very disturbing. So just be mindful of right now. Be here now, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, this thing or that thing. If you're eating, and that's actually, it's, you know, unique that when you eat, you should be mindful of your eating. I mean, mm. it's been proven that's more healthy. Yeah. You know, cut off the TV, cut off the screens, cut off, you know, even the conversations and just... Focus on the eating and the chewing. It helps digestion and, and on and on and on. Yeah. You know, so you can take any subject and mindfulness has a, a part to play and a positive part. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. But in spiritual life, what is the benefit of mindfulness? Depends on what you're mindful of. See? In other words, all this material mindfulness doesn't really help you spiritually. It doesn't really purify the soul. It doesn't satisfy the soul. It might improve your material situation. You know, it might make you more successful in business. But that may you not know. help you spiritually even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, transcendental meditation, you uh -huh. know, that was taught by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Mm -hmm. Their main focal point and their main clients were businesses and, and professional people. You know, and they taught people how to, before the conference, you know, or before that important uh, phone call or whatever, you know, to do this meditation, to calm the mind, to focus on the moment, you know. And then you can go into this, this situation, calm, peaceful, 
you know, not stressed out, not in anxiety, and be much more successful in negotiating the deal, you know, or, you know, overcoming, you know, your competition or whatever. And that was, that was what produced them so much wealth and, and became very, very well known. Yeah. You know, and of course, individuals took it up too, but it was still kind of on that same level. So tools that mm -hmm. you can use to reach the goal better, whatever yeah. the goal is. Whether if you're just sitting on the beach, you know, mindful of the beach rather than, oh, the sun is too hot and I'm bored. Like, you know, what can I do now? Just, you know, chant your mantra and be be happy with where you are and what's going on and so on. But that's nothing to do with spiritual life. You know, it doesn't help the spirit soul at all, see? So mindfulness, whether it's good or bad or really beneficial or, or not, depends on what you're mindful of. Hmm. So in bhakti yoga, the teaching is be mindful of the truth. Number one, be mindful of your true identity. I'm spirit soul. I'm not this material body. You see, that's an absolute truth. Nobody's mindful of that. You know, the mindfulness is, I am the body, and, you know, I am sitting here, and I am feeling this, and I am feeling the sun on my skin. I'm feeling my foot in my shoe. You know, I'm feeling, you know, my hat on my head, or, you know, the breath control thing. I'm feeling the inhalation and the, the breath going to the abdomen and the oxygen being absorbed into the blood, all this kind of stuff. You see, it's, it may be presented as this is a spiritual thing. Mm, yeah. You know, like all this breathing and, and mindful of the heartbeat and on and on. You know, it sounds spiritual and mm. is presented as spiritual in many cases probably deeper but it's than not mm. it's not you see it's material subject matter maybe on a little more subtle level you know be mindful of your thoughts you know we have a, a technique just to help people realize they're not the mind called silent witness technique where mm. you just sit you close your eyes and you observe the activity of the mind which of course is thinking So you observe the thoughts that go across the screen of the mind, like you're watching a movie. Hmm. You know, you don't take part, you don't get involved, because in everyday life, you know, out of somewhere comes a thought. Maybe some material situation triggers it or whatever. And that thought immediately leads you to another thought and to another thought. And you just get on this whole journey of thoughts, and pretty soon you wind up far, far, far away from where the whole journey started. And you just go, wow, how did I get here? And then you can actually trace it back. Well, I thought of that, but before that, of that, and this led me to that, and blah, 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 you know? And it started with an ant crawling across the, your foot. That's you true. Know? The mind is just jumping from like... It's just jumping <laughs> around like a wild monkey, you know? <laughs> so, you know, this silent witness technique is You're witnessing this from afar. You're not taking part. You're the silent witness observing that, which, you know, helps a person understand I'm not my mind. Mm. You know, you're not your thoughts. You're not your mind. Mm. It's just, you know, a little technique to help you realize I'm not my body. I'm not my mind. I'm actually spirit soul, you know. 
So aham brahmasmi, that's a mantra that yogis chant. Aham brahmasmi means I am Brahman. I am spirit. Brahman means spirit. You know, so you chant that mantra to make you mindful of your true identity. You know, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit. I am spirit. You know, and then gradually you start implementing that more and more when you look in the mirror. You know, aham brahmasmi, I'm not this body, you know, I'm not my face and hair and all the things I'm seeing reflected. You know, I'm spirit. This is the vehicle. This is the covering. This is the temporary, you know, me, you know, material me, you know, the false identity. So these are mindfulness techniques that really produce real spiritual results, you see. Mm. And so gradually, you know, this is what, in all yoga processes, this is a mindfulness technique, awareness technique. You know, there's various different uh, variations of it to realize I'm not the body. Because all yoga paths, any yoga path that's a true yoga path starts here. I'm not the body. I'm spirit right. soul. Right. Okay. So then, you know, you add other truths to your mindfulness practice. I'm spirit soul, okay, but I'm also part and parcel of the supreme soul. Now, that's another whole layer of realization. Mm. See, I'm not just independent, standalone spirit soul. I'm part and parcel of the Supreme Soul. There's a link up. There's a connection here. You know, just like if you thought you were Reuben and had no mother and no father, you know, that wouldn't be really true. But if you come to a point of mindfulness where you realize, oh, but I have a father and I have a mother, that's another whole dimension. I see. You, you know, become aware of, of who that. you are. Hmm. You know, I am not only just Reuben, I'm Reuben, the son of you know, my parents, hmm. you know. So this is taking us further and further, you know, in the truth of who we really are. I'm not just spirit soul. Yes, I am, but that's not the end. That's the beginning. I'm part and parcel of the supreme soul, you know. And then well, what is my position in relation to the supreme soul? So this is where the different yoga paths go different directions. I see, I see. But yeah. they all converge on that point, spirit, they, soul. They start, I'm spirit, soul. Start on that point. And, and mm. some take you to the conclusion, I'm the supreme soul, or I am, you know, everything. We're all one, et cetera, et cetera. See, that's impersonalist path. But in the bhakti path, which is declared the topmost yoga system, see, I am part and parcel of the supreme soul but what is my position here is it equal to is it greater to can i become the supreme soul mm. see that's a question that we need to ask see there's a question and period involved in mindfulness and the answer is no i'm not the supreme soul i'm always subordinate I cannot become the supreme soul. I cannot become equal to the supreme soul. Just like you cannot become your father. See, you're always the son of your father. You can't be the father of your father. <laughs> Not in this life. <laughs> Maybe next life. <laughs> you know? 
But yeah. no, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> That's complicated. It, yeah. that, that confuses things. <laughs> exactly. But but mm. anyway, the point is, you will always be the son of your father in this mm. lifetime, mm. and you can't change that. Mm. You know, and you can't become equal to because the son is always subordinate to the father. You know, and that used to be a foundational understanding that all sons and daughters, children, had of their parents. See, I am subordinate. I'm not equal to. I'm not above. <laughs> yeah. Now it's become, you know, the opposite. I'm above my parents and, you know, they're below me and I tell them what to do. See, that's the perverted understanding of parent-child relationship. Mm. This is yeah. how perverted things True. get very quickly. And the know? teachers. But when I was young, yeah. it was, it was completely... You know, I'm the son, this is the father. He's the authority, I'm not. Yeah. You know. Which which, and, which is a good thing spiritually to, to know that and to have that, like, you know, to accept the authority, to be able to listen to someone else. It, it's wonderful because when you come to accepting the Supreme Lord as the supreme authority, you've already been trained in that mindset that there is this authority and I am subordinate to that authority, you know. So all these, you know, moral, foundational, family, otherwise truths of life that used to be just incorporated into society, see, were also based on absolute truth, you know, and also very conducive in to helping a person grasp absolute truth and be comfortable with it. Mm. Yeah. So when you destroy one, you destroy all. You know, it was, everything has been destroyed now. You know, the family structure, the moral principles, yeah. you know, all the respect. You know, if you can't respect your father and your mother, you know, how can you respect God? You know, how can you respect other living entities? You know, there's no respect. So, therefore, you know, all authorities are suspect. Don't respect anybody. You know, challenge them. They're, they're bad. They're against you. They will cause you harm. Whatever, whatever. See, so we've got, we've got all of this because it's been destroyed from the foundation up. Yeah. But, but 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 that's in I mean it's gone to the extent that this the ones that are supposed to be the authority may even you know use you or or treat you bad. I was you know thinking that I would ask you about that. I mean it's summertime. I think a lot of people are meeting their families now and struggling with you know often a lot of things that are not spoken about, a lot of bad communication, a lot of yeah, a lot of I guess also bad parenting and like how to how to deal with that then, you know. That's part of the story. You see, because parents today were the ones that were not trained properly in mm, their youth. Exactly. I mean, you grow up and become a parent where you bring into parenthood what you got. Yeah. Mm. You mm. know, if you were taught respect and honesty and, you know, all that, then you, you still are in that consciousness. Yeah. So you're not going to be a bad parent. You're going to respect your children. You're going to listen to your children. Mm. You're going to try to give your children proper guidance, you know, as much as you can, mm. you know, according to what you've got. But if you've got no education in how to 
live properly in life, how can you teach somebody else? You know, so you can see it just carries on generation after generation and each evolution gets worse. (laughs) You know, it gets more and more corrupted. You know, the police, for instance, (laughs) you know, when I was young, you know, people respected the police. And I mean, I I don't know all police, of course, but the, the police, when people that I knew were honest, they were doing their job. They felt like they were the custodians of the citizens, and they were they were actually trying to help mm. keep society as it should be, you know, prevent the criminals from doing their criminal activity and helping people in need. And so, when I you saw a policeman, you didn't go, "Oh my God, a policeman!" You know, it was like, you know, I grew up in a small town. I knew them all. You know, my my best friend's father was a highway patrolman, you know, and so, you know, it was different. They were authority. Mm. You respected that authority. Mm. You knew if you were speeding and they got, they caught you, it was your fault. Yeah. And, and you had to pay the price. You had to pay the fine. And I mean, it, okay, I screwed up. You know, you didn't, you know, start a movement to, you know, defund the police. but as respect and everything else deteriorated and you know just everything got destroyed you know then there was there's there's no respect for any authority in any position and those people who came up into those positions of authority didn't have what they should have had to be in that position because Mm -hmm. they came out of this corrupted system you know and so, therefore, why why respect them? I see what you mean. You yeah. know, mm. so you see how on all levels it just destroys it's it from itself from the inside. <laughs> you know, it's, it's but so... the mindfulness thing back to to the uh-huh. subject. You know, mm. it's, it's all connected because what are we mindful of? So if if you're mindful of these truths, I'm spirit soul, part and parcel of the supreme soul. I'm always subordinate to the supreme soul. And function, don't forget function. What is my function as a spirit soul? You know? Like I have to do something. <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah, I mean, well, okay, I'm in this position. You know, it's a position. I'm subordinate mm-hmm. to the supreme soul. Mm-hmm. Then what is my function? Just like if you have a position in a company, well, what is my function in this company? Mm. I'm the janitor. Okay, then I, you know, keep the halls clean and clean the bathrooms and clean the grounds, okay, that's my function, you know, or I'm a salesperson, that means I have to sell the product, or I'm the CEO, that means I got to oversee the whole story. You see, in other words, everybody in a position, has in a corporation has a function, mm-hmm. you know, or what is my function as a mother? What is my function as a father? You see, everybody has a function throughout society, you know, and if it's done as it should be done, then there will be a good result, you see. But if it's not done as it should be done, then you have a bad result. Hmm. So the function of the spirit soul, and this is on the eternal level now, this is not the temporary level, the eternal function of the spirit soul is to render loving service to the supreme soul. That's the eternal function of the soul, okay? 
And if that is done, then the result will be perfect, you know. All the good qualities of the soul will come out. Kindness, loving, caring, nonviolent, truthful, you know, free of anger, and so on and so on, you know, filled with forgiveness. Mm. Really caring about, you know, other living entities, not only humans, but animals and plants, etc., which automatically means caring for the environment. All kinds of good qualities come out of this, you see. That just is how the person is. They have, in Bhagavad Gita, described divine qualities, you see. So if I'm mindful in this way, then mindfulness is perfect, and it's the, it's the process. It's the part of our process. You know, number three process in bhakti yoga, hearing, chanting, and remembering. What is remembering? Mindfulness. Wow. Remembering what? Remember who we are. Remember who God is. Remember our position, our function, you know, and then acting on it. You see, mm -hmm. then the activity. Okay, I'm the janitor. I'm supposed to clean the hall. That's my function. Now I got to do it. <laughs> see, now I got to get the broom, you know, and start sweeping, you know. So, you know, it comes with action. But if you're mindful and all these truths are prevalent, then your function is going to be beneficial for you, for your relationship with the Supreme Lord, for other living entities, etc. And wow. that mindfulness is perfect. And you, when you're moving in this way, see, you're evolving spiritually, and mm. that means advancing in your relationship with the Supreme Lord, ultimately, gradually, gradually, will come the appearance of love in your heart for the Supreme Lord. An actual relationship of love, just like back to Reuben and the Father. Mm -hmm. You know? So, when there is a loving relationship with another person, are you not always mindful of that person? Yes, of course. Naturally, kind of thing. It's just, mm -hmm. you can't not be, you know? There's those songs about, you know, the person who, who was so in love, but she broke his heart. And he said, I can't get you out of my mind. He's you totally know, people, mindful of her. <laughs> yeah, totally mindful. You know, I can't get you out of my mind. Every blonde head he sees, it reminds him of her. <laughs> yeah. You know, or maybe every blue, you know, shirt or dress because her color was blue reminds, you know, or maybe mm. the fragrance of some perfume that some other person's wearing, you know, oh, but that was her perfume. Everything is bringing him back to remembrance of the one that he still loves, mm. you see? So it's all just perverted reflections of spiritual perfection, you see? Wow. So that mindfulness is absolute mindfulness, you know? But how about how about the, I, I mean, thought patterns and, and changing and like, 
you know, like you have, you, you said you have, you know, different thoughts, different thoughts, you can see where they come from. But often it seems like a thought comes up and then like a feeling comes up and that feeling makes you act in a certain way. And then many times it's like you're stuck in acting a certain way because you're, you're just like, yeah, it's just a pattern from the thoughts, the feeling come and then you act from that way. Like, how is that within Bhakti Yoga? How, how is that seen? How does well, that you know, knowledge, knowledge, because, you know, our minds are not pure, our hearts are not pure. So all these different thoughts that you say and their accompanying feelings hmm. just almost spontaneously come up, yeah. you see. But with knowledge, you see it for what it is. You know, okay, this is a thought that's not good for me, my well-being. This is, this is somewhere I don't want to go. You know, I don't want to react to this thought as I used to, you know. Uh, maybe a mm -hmm. thought would trigger, you know, a whole agenda before that you don't want to be involved in now. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You know, so knowledge, intelligence. See, we have an intelligence for a purpose, <laughs> you know, and that's to control things, you mm. know. See it for what it is. You know, and so with intelligence, you know, I'm just discriminating. No, I don't do that. You know, I, I, I don't. The feeling might be there, but the action's not going to follow mm. up. Because, right, right, no. Right. And gradually the feeling will dissipate and go away. Right. It's not so strong that it controls you, that it, it takes over. You know, mm. and that's why we need to constantly chant and and remember and purify and stay in the zone. Like an athlete has to constantly train mm -hmm. to stay in shape. You know, you can't just neglect your training for very long without losing some physical, you know, ability. You know, you start going down very quick. So <laughs> spiritual training is necessary every day. Training, training. So when the challenges come, you're strong enough to meet the challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. So again, the hearing. I mean, we need to hear these truths every day. And it reinforces it. It makes it so I don't forget, mm. you know. But if I hear it once a month, in the other 30 days of that month, <laughs> I've heard the other side of life, yeah. then yeah, yeah. Wh what's going to be dominant in my life, you know? So I have to constantly practice. And that's, again, like I remember you said in a previous talk, like you talked about the mind, intelligence and false ego, that we should, like, we should have the intelligence leading the mind, like above the mind and not the opposite, not having the mind use intelligence for whatever objectives the mind wants to <laughs> achieve. <laughs> You know, in the Vedas, it describes yeah. intelligence as the ability to see things in their proper perspective. That's intelligence. The ability to see things in their proper perspective. Okay, so here comes this thought, whatever it is, you know. And it produces a feeling that goes with it, you know, a blast from the past, maybe. Mm. But now your intelligence is able to put it in its proper perspective. No, this is not what I want to do. 
This is going to lead me down a primrose path. I don't want to go down there. See, mm -hmm. I don't do this anymore. I've changed my life. I've changed my focus. I understand now things that I didn't understand then. So, mm -hmm. therefore, your intelligence overrides your mind and the flood of thoughts and the accompanying feelings and emotions and, you know, the urge, the urge the to go the traction of doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but your intelligence is super strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the more you practice, the more strength you have. So it's not strong. It's strong in the in the sense of it used to control you completely, but now you're strong yourself with intelligence and understanding. So now you can overcome this, you see. And you have to be very active in doing so, not just complacent and let it just sweep you along for a ride and then try to stop, you know. Like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, you must curb the senses in the very beginning. See, oh, the mind oh. and the senses must be curbed in the very beginning, not later down the road somewhere. And when the, when they form the snow, this huge snowball, like you said some time before, like when they started rolling and it's all like, wow, really bad. Runs you over. Difficult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the alcoholic has got to use his intelligence and he's got to understand, oh, just one beer won't be bad. You know, it's not mm. much alcohol in mm. one beer. I'll just mm. sit down with the boys and, you know, be fine. You know, it doesn't work. He is trained. If he's, he's in one of these rehab programs, especially Alcoholics Anonymous, you can't do this. You don't go to the bar. You don't sit down with your friends. Mm. You know, don't have one beer because that will not work. You see, use your intelligence. This is going to just take you down. Okay, maybe tonight one beer. But tomorrow night, or oh, maybe mm, one again, or oh, maybe two. See, mm. and pretty soon you're back to where you were before. But you can't do it. And the sponsor, if he's doing his job in this rehab program, is, is your watchdog, you know. And it's your job to call your sponsor and say, you know, hey, Pat, I got a problem here. You know, I'm really tempted. To, don't do it. Don't go to that bar. But my friend, don't go to that bar. Listen to me. Come to my house, you know. And so, you know, but you have to be willing to to make that call you know yeah. i need help yeah sos yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah. spiritual life is like that you know i need help okay help is in the name of the lord chant the mantras help is in the name of the lord pick up your beads you know we have our job of meditation you know, chant on your bees. Help is in the name of the Lord. Do Garanga meditation. Help is in the name of the Lord. Turn on some recorded chanting or turn on, you know, this podcast or <laughs> turn on, you know, all kinds of avenues of, of protection here. You know, there's so much available. You know, call your friend. You know, you're, you're quite, you know, sponsor kind of guy. Hey, you know, can we chant tonight? Or, you know, is there a kirtan somewhere? You know, I need to, I need to chant. You know, but 
if you're just, you know, willing to go the other direction, then you will. And the sponsor and the spiritual master and nobody else can help you. No, you have to have to know how powerful the other forces are and, and the way by which you can protect yourself from them. And, uh, and know that you can't do that on your own and not, yeah, <laughs> that's... Yeah, bhakti yoga process is not a, a lone process where you just go to a secluded place and sit down and, you know, try to become perfect. This is very, very difficult to be alone and, and to just try to do this on your own. I mean, it's, it's really hard. We would need friends, so... You need friends. I mean, we're gregarious animals. I mean, mm. you know, by nature, we like to associate. You know, that's why the lockdown was so devastating to people. They were stuck at home alone, mm. you know, and rather take shelter yeah. on, you know, the the programs like, you know, we offer and so on, because, you know, 99.9% .9 don't even know a thing about that. You know, they just, you know, entered into all levels of depression and, you know, alcohol abuse and drug abuse and, you know, domestic violence and whatever, because, you know, it wasn't normal for them. See, they got no inner platform to stand on. You know, it's all external, you know. People retire from work and they don't know what to do with their life because for the last 50 years, they got up every morning and went to work, you know. And then always dreaming about when I get to be 65, I'll retire, you know, and go fishing. You know? So they retire at 65. Okay. Hallelujah. They have their retirement party. And then what? They go fishing. You know, I told you this story about I met an old guy in the desert. Remember I told you that? Maybe no, I did. I can't remember that. I used to sell in markets in, in a desert town in Arizona. You know, four corners and the whole, it was just a little burg, a gas station, a little store and thing. But it was a market. The whole town was an open air market, you know, and it, it was all through the spring, summer and fall. But spring and fall were the best. Summer was too hot. And so snowbirds, we call them, people that lived in the cold countries, you know, oh. cold states, you know, like... You know, Montana and, you know, upper Washington State and Canada and so on like this. They would come down to Arizona in their RVs and spend the winter there because, you know, it was much warmer there. I mean, when it's still snow and minus big numbers where they were from, it was like plus 20 in Arizona. So they would come down there, mainly retired people, you know, and just hang out. And these markets were just for them. And they just come and cruise the markets and buy clothes. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, stones for sale there, you know, jewelry and stuff, a big gym, gym and mineral show, whatever. It doesn't matter the details. But anyway, so I sold there. I was a seller there, you know, and it was very lucrative. Because these guys are retired, they got money, they're living in an RV, they got no expense really other than food because they could camp on government land for free and they didn't have anything to do, you know, so they just wandered around, you know, and, and bought things, 
you know. And so, anyway, there was this one old man that was a seller also. And I was talking to him one day. And he was talking to me about, yeah, yeah, I retired, you know, four years ago or something. You know, I worked hard all my life and finally retired. I said, so what are you doing here working? <laughs> I mean, why are you here selling? You're retired. <laughs> yeah, you're retired, you know. Why did you go back to work? And he said, why did I go back to work? Now you tell me, how many days can you just do nothing but fish? You know, <laughs> how many days can you fish? You know, he got sick of fishing and went back to work. Now he's got something real to do. Get up, go to work. You know, so yeah, this is this is the routine that people are in. You know, so it's hard doing nothing. This this was the original point. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. But in spiritual life, every day you do something, but it's something of value. You know, it's just not something to take up your time. It's something to further your relationship, to serve God, to actually now I'm doing something of value with my life. You see, so the here in the channel, remember practical service, like what we you and I are doing now is practical service. We're trying to spread these teachings to whoever may be receptive, mm. you see. So it's it's a lot of things involved in this. You know, I got Slava here. He's the tech guy. You know, he's fully engaged in, you know, making it possible for us to stay on the air, you know. And, you know, it's, it's on and on it goes. But it gives you a reason to live, and not just to pass the time, you know, not exactly. to just take up space mm. in your life. But it's now a value. The, and this this is fulfilling. This is really, you know, what life is about. And uh, so. And that's, that's exactly what we're going to speak about next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mindfulness, I mean, you and I are mindful right now of this subject, of this this whole presentation, of the value of this. You know, we're mindful of the audience and and how possibly we can help them and, and your advertising and, you know, creating the whole, you know, intro video and, you know, all the podcasts that we've we've made is is mindful of the needs of people, mindful of the desire of our spiritual master to help him in his mission in this way. You see, he's Ask everyone who is in this position of student and disciple, you know, to help, to help pass it on, you know. And so that's what we're mindful of, you know. We're So mindfulness is just normal. <laughs> you know, I don't have to take a course, you know, so I can sit down and feel the big toenail inside my left shoe. That's <laughs> like, you know, what what good is that? Mm -hmm. This is a normal function, like you're saying, mindfulness. Like love is mindfulness. If you're if you're loving in this way, and if you're you know active, then that that's that's real mindfulness. That's amazing. That's simple. <laughs> it's, it's simple. You know, mm -hmm. we say it again and again. I mean, you say it, I say it. Spiritual life is simple. Yeah. You know, it's it's not some very 
impossible, complex, extravagant thing that nobody can accomplish but a few people. <laughs> it's the nature of the soul. It's who we are. It's our normal, natural self. And nothing's more natural than that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Ruben, it's late. Right. We got yeah, a little late thinking, start, but uh, let's, uh, let's no, let's chant. Let's yeah, let's that. let's have our little chant. And this is, you know, one way to practice mindfulness. Try to be mindful of the mantras. Focus on the mantras. You know. So as you know, we've tried to make it very easy. The mantras, the same every week. You know, Hari Bolgoranga.
Gauri Bo Sankirtan, very good mindfulness technique. Yeah. So pra practice, practice, practice. You know, the mind is going to go where it goes. It's going to be what you allow it to be. So you control it like wild horse. You bring it in, you focus it, you practice. And yep. you get the result. So, yeah. okay, I guess we will see you next time. Hmm. Thanks. Thank you, Balakia, for, for your time. And thank everyone for listening to, to this. And yeah, and everybody, leave, leave your comments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, please do. Well, and if you have any thoughts, questions, or, you know, we can bring it up in our talks. So this is... So, so. Yeah, we can. You know, I mean, we're just kind of... <clears throat> 
talking on, so put it out there. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, Ruben, have a good uh, vacation or stay over there in, Sw in Sweden. Sweden. Thank you. Not Switzerland, Sweden. <laughs> no, I... I just listen to this talk you spoke about snus sometime and i think you were just speaking about i think you were saying switzerland instead of sweden but many people do that mistake yeah yeah. <laughs> it's like both are wonderful know. countries though i've been to both yeah, well, and great places you know? i'm good friends in switzerland as well so yeah, i can't yeah. say anything about it <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah it's all good where people are doing what they're supposed to do very true mm. so next week we'll talk about that what we are meant to do as being in this human form of life. Okay, okay. all the best to your family and <laughs> namaste Haribo. Namaste. Haribo. Okay. Haribo. So we hope you enjoyed this talk about mindfulness. And if you have any questions or things that are not clear, then we'd ha be happy to hear from you so that we can clarify and maybe bring up various points in the upcoming podcasts so uh, happy to have you joining us for today's talk and uh, hope to see you soon again remember to stay true to yourself and dare to break trail and do subscribe if you are not already so that you get updates on the upcoming episodes or join our email list uh, available at breakingtrail.life thank you